Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this special convocation. Uh, delayed a bit because of the cold weather last week. I'm Dwayne Stolzfus, a professor in the communication department and director of the Corps. I'd like to take a, a few minutes at the beginning here to, re to remember a, a dear colleague. You've likely heard that Carolyn Schrock Schenk died early Wednesday morning. She was uh, an associate professor of uh, PJCS here at Goshen College. She was 63 years old. She joined the faculty in 2000. Uh, it was the same year I joined. We were members of that, uh, that rookie class. Uh, she was a beloved professor here who was known especially in recent, recent years for her leadership with the very popular Inside Out Exchange Program class at the Elkhart County Correctional Center, a class in which Goshen College students, the outsiders, studied with the inside incarcerated students at the jail. Being in, in Convo here reminds me of, of a convocation talk that she gave some years ago. For 40 minutes, the only sound was of her voice as she told her life story. Uh, the, the audience was enwrapped, fully locked in as she told about her life. There's some plans uh, for celebrating her life, remembering her, her life, and, and I just want to make sure you know about them. Immediately following convocation here, you can walk over to, to Wise Hall on the first floor. There's going to be a, an informal gathering. There are two visitation times uh, set for today at Assembly Mennonite Church, which is not far away, a few blocks north of here on 11th Street. And you can go there between 2 and 4 or between 6 and 8 today for visitation. Memorial service will be held tomorrow at 1 p.m., again at Assembly Mennonite Church. And now I would, I would just ask if you would uh, close your eyes for uh, uh, a time of silence as we remember Carolyn, and, and I'll end that silence with a, with a brief prayer. Creator God, thank you for the life and legacy of Carolyn, a teacher, a colleague, a mentor, a friend who, who labored for justice and who leaned into conflict to help us imagine a better way of living together. Amen. Carolyn would have loved to have been here this morning this combination of students and of stories. Um, it's a, a gift we receive. Uh, you should know that the five student speakers here this morning 
All were in identity, culture, and community class in the fall. They were one of a couple of hundred students who wrote personal essays and then in most cases put those essays aside and simply shared stories. Uh, they are uh, five students who were recommended, nominated by their ICC profs from all the students who spoke. We had a pool of recommendations and these five were, were selected to speak here this morning. I'm going to e introduce each one of them briefly um, in the order in which they'll be, they'll be speaking. And I would just ask them to speak as they're, as they're introduced. So first we have uh, Ebtahal Abdelaziz, who is from Cairo, Egypt. She's majoring in physics and in mathematics. And she said, quoting here, I believe that one day I will add to our understanding of the universe. And this is why I'm talking about my passion for the universe and how that started. Our second speaker this morning will be Anthony Beatriz, who was born and raised in Goshen. He's majoring in computer science with a double minor in American Sign Language and in game development. The story he'll be sharing is about his first crush in fifth grade. Our third speaker, Cade Fisher, was also born and raised in Goshen. He noted that he's third generation uh, member of family to attend Goshen College. He is majoring in PJCS with a double minor in bass performance and video game development. He chose to speak about his experience in Guatemala and because of and how that changed his worldview and also influenced his decision on where to attend college. Our fourth speaker, Anya Eigel, grew up in Estes Park, a small town in Colorado. She's majoring in ASL interpreting with a minor in theological studies and Christian ministries. She'll be talking about her family and their year-long bus trip across the states. And our fifth and final speaker, Leandro Morillo, was born and raised in Zulia, Venezuela. He's majoring in engineering physics, and he said, at least that's the plan as of today. He'll talk about why he had to leave Venezuela and some challenges that he's faced since that time. Please, uh, let's give a, uh, a welcome to all of our speakers. everybody. Um, at one moment in time, I truly believed that the moon wanted to be my friend. Um, I was young, I was in downtown Cairo, and the sky was so dark. And I looked at the moon and I was like, oh, I see you wherever I go, whenever I go. What's happening? Are you trying to be my friend or something? That was the only thing that made sense to me because I was five. Um, as far as I remember, this was the first time I looked at the sky and truly asked a question and tried hardly to think about an answer. Although it was childish, but it was still an answer. Um, at some point in time, again, 
I, I felt like I would be the happiest trying to understand the universe and asking questions about it and just trying to answer them. And it started at a very terrible night when I was so sick, I had a terrible fever, I couldn't leave my bed, I was just mainly dying, okay? <laughs> my mom was worried, she kept checking on me because um, I felt in a terrible, I was like in a terrible health and she tried to make sure I'm gonna be okay. And then something happened. Let's see what it is. No planet beats Saturn for jaw-dropping beauty. Saturn is the most photogenic planet in all the solar system. Some of the pictures are to die for. But the postcards only tell part of the story. Beauty's only skin deep. It really is roiling and seething inside. Soar above the planet with its six-sided storms for ringside action. I could just imagine what it might be like to like hold a ring particle in my hand. Even more mystery surrounds the impressive fountains of Enceladus, where the secrets of life might spring from the moon's salty geysers. This is the little moon that has it all. And the samples are coming out in space. There's a big sign there, free samples, take one. Then drop by the big orange moon, Titan, and descend beneath its smoggy veil. I think it'd be you know, one of the seven wonders of the solar system. Take to Titanian skies for a magical mystery tour. The balloon just allows extraordinary possibilities for exploring Titan. Drift over propane lakes, flammable sand dunes, and methane streams. I mean, you could actually stand next to a babbling brook of liquid methane. I sometimes wonder, well, what would that sound like? But nothing is as it seems here. If you put your hand on a lava flow on Titan, you wouldn't burn your hand, you would freeze it. All this and more, and only a billion miles from home. Ready to take off? This is my favorite documentary, everybody. Um, at this moment, I literally left my bed. I was jumping around, I was dancing, I was screaming. I was like, Enceladus, we have water on Enceladus. I would have gone discover Saturn today. My mom rushed to the room. She was terrified. She thought I started hallucinating and seeing stuff or something. But I told her I was fine. It just, we're discovering Saturn. And it's the most beautiful planet in the solar system. How can't I be crazy about that? After this documentary was done, the first season of it, National Geographic, my favorite channel till this day, started viewing another documentary. It's called Fabric of the Universe by Brian Greene, one of the most notable physicists of all time. Um, it, it talked about quantum mechanics, general theory of relativity, particles, physics, and I remember experiencing a different feeling. I truly wanted to be an electron just to experience how it's like to move between barriers and be close to the speed of light. It felt like a mystery that I really wanted to explore, 
just to understand how it's going to be like. And to also understand physics, because it seems like a world that makes no sense. This semester I'm taking quantum mechanics, and I still don't understand quantum mechanics. And I wonder if I will ever understand it. But it's still a mystery, and I don't think I, I can ever stop wondering about some really cool mysteries in the universe, like particles or just how the universe works. And this takes me to my other point, which is something I have to show you. So this is my favorite picture of Saturn. It's beautiful. It's actually from the day Earth smiled. You can see Earth in this picture. It's, this, it's a very bright dot. Yeah, this is Earth. It's weird when we look at it, and it looks so small from a different planet. But it's, it's a pale blue dot, as Carl Sagan put it. And this is the equation, the field equation for the general theory of relativity. Currently, I don't understand this equation, but one day I will. I, um, I understand parts of it. This part, basically. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a 4 by 4 matrix, and it's very powerful. Um, the cool thing about equation, it's, it represents a beauty in the universe. It's just a very small expression that can tell us so much about a big concept, like black holes, or a whole galaxy, which is so powerful in its own sense. I'm so glad I know what I'm passionate about. I hope that everybody one day finds the thing that makes them crazy and forget about how sick they are or how, or their fever or anything, just because they are intrigued by their field. And um, it makes me feel like beginner, beginners are, are kind of powerful because all of this started with me just looking at the sky one night and thinking that the moon wanted to be my friend. Thank you. Do you remember the feeling of your first crush? The feelings of awkwardness and nervousness and everything else in between? Because I do. I remember it all too well. Now, let me preface this by saying that elementary crushes, while cute, mean very little. Now, there are some rare cases of someone meeting their sweetheart in the first grade and being together ever since. I mean, my own cousins met in the fifth grade and have been together ever since. But this is not that story. So let me set the setting. It's 2010, around Thanksgiving. I was in Mrs. Remsberger's fifth grade class. We were learning about the history of Thanksgiving and the Native Americans that inhabited Indiana before us. And I started, uh, I started noticing this one girl. She was a friend of mine, fairly close. We clicked almost immediately when we met. And I started thinking, huh, this girl, hmm. 
Could it be? Nah, but maybe. And then night came. I had this dream that we were together in the way that, uh, you know, elementary schoolers were, you know, playing together on the playground, sitting together at lunch, that, like that, that kind of stuff. And then I remember waking up in a cold sweat. Oh my God, it is. So I, I did what any normal kid would do, go to the nearest friend that they know and try to, try to console them their feelings. I went to my friend who was also named Anthony, though we called him AJ, and he broke to me the bad news. He also had a crush on this girl. <laughs> so we came up with this uh, plan on how to uh, deal with the situation without ruining the friendship. And it was whoever can muster up the courage to confess their feelings to her first would get the chance to ask her out, assuming that she says yes. Uh, it was kind of our own mess up version of mutually assured destruction, considering both of us were way too shy and awkward to do anything like that, since it would completely destroy us from the inside. <laughs> so November moved by quickly, and so did December. And nothing really interesting happened, that was until the last day of school, before Christmas break. We were all together in our, in our class, doing arts and crafts and other things like that, listening to Christmas music while snow was falling, it was magical. And um, some of my friends at my table asked me, so Anthony, who do you like? And I answered, no one. They asked again, no, seriously, who do you like? No one, I, I swear, I, I don't have a crush. Uh, cut the crap, who do you like? <laughs> okay, okay, her name is, uh, let's call her Madeline. Her name is Madeline. Then I hear one of the kids say, you like Madeline? She's way out of your league. <laughs> Another one says, I'm gonna tell her. Now at this moment, I felt my entire stomach drop and my self-esteem go right out the window. And then, the worst happened. It was almost time for lunch. All the kids were lining up to, to wash their hands and get ready for lunch. I stayed behind at my table, waited for everyone to finish because I was one of those cool kids. And uh, then I hear those dreaded words. Hey, Maddie, guess who likes you? It's Anthony. I feel, I feel this feeling of terror just wash over me. And I look over, and the same look is on her face. She, she turns to me and asks, do you like me? Now, being as nervous and anxious as I was, I was absolutely terrified, frozen, just stuck there, pale as can be. But I mustered up the courage and thought, you know what? Christmas. Miracles can happen. <laughs> and I asked her, do you like me too? And she, she just has this face of just pure fear from the moment. And she shakes her head, yes. And she says, yes, I do like you. And I feel this sudden joy of excitement and happiness. And then 
a sudden feeling of fear and terror because I am a fifth grader. I have no idea how, relationship, how relationships work. I have a fear of my own shadow, let alone commitment in the fifth grade. So I did what any other nervous and shy fifth grader would and uh, completely drowned my feelings and ignore her for the rest of the day, as awful as that is for the both of us. And then my friend AJ comes up to me and he says, hey man, I heard what happened. And I say, yeah, yeah. It was a, a time and a half, I guess. And then he says, I'm gonna take my chance. I'm gonna tell her I like her. I uh, become very, uh, pretty, pretty scared at this moment because of the thought of what if she says yes? What if the person who just said, I like you too, Anthony, all of a sudden says, I like this Anthony instead? <laughs> Heck. But, I decide, but then I start thinking, this works for me, because once again, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of afraid of this situation. Maybe this could be my way out of it. And so I let this play out, and then comes the end of the day. He, my, I was heading off to the buses to go home, and then my friend comes up to me and he says, I did it, Anthony, I did it. I, asked, I told her I liked her, and I asked her out, and she said yes. And of course, that, that feeling of, that crushing feeling of disappointment, as if I had just lost a part of me, washed over. <laughs> but then I got over almost immediately, because once again, Commitment in the fifth grade, not for me. <laughs> and uh, looking back, maybe, I, I guess it was for the best because she was a good friend of mine and if anything were to have happened in the relationship, it would have been awkward, as weird as it is to say, considering it's a fifth grade relationship. And, uh, and I guess I kind of did dodge a bullet because she did end up breaking up with him on Valentine's Day and going out with another kid in our class on the same day and then moving af after the end of fifth grade. <laughs> so I guess what they say is true. Once you've hit rock bottom, the only way back is up. In 2017, the summer after my junior year of high school, I went to Guatemala with a group of 20 students from across the country and from even international places as well. 10 guys and 10 girls, all different backgrounds and religions. We were led by Goshen College professors Keith and Anne, Joanne, sorry, along with two recent Goshen alumni, Peter and Gloria. I had seen advertisements about Goshen College's study service theology term, but didn't seriously consider it until my Nana had suggested that this would be a good way for me to experience Goshen College. So I applied and quickly became excited for what was to come. Once the group had met and received a very brief orientation at the college, we left. It felt abrupt. One second, I was hugging my family goodbye and the next second, I was standing at Samia Seminary in Guatemala City with a smoking volcano looming over my head. My transformation had begun. Through the format, 
the content and the context of this trip, I changed in ways that I never could have predicted. Our days were quickly full of lectures and excursions, and I experienced life in a way that was new and foreign. We had homework in the form of daily journals, but lots of free time to get it done. So similar to college and less like high school. So as a high school junior, this was weird. What do I do with all my free time? I can actually talk to people. <laughs> this new sense of independence was the beginning of the changes that I experienced. I didn't have responsibilities outside of my immediate location. If I went somewhere, it was guided and part of the trip. Or it was a walk to the grocery store down the street for milkshakes and cookies. The content of the trip, specifically studying vocation and religion and how that calls us to act in our world, opened my eyes to new career paths in social sciences and humanities. Prior to this trip, I wanted to be a major in music and physics, combining those two things to be an acoustic engineer. But then I witnessed the power of people's stories. And suddenly, I wanted to know why society acts a certain way. What can be done to make it better for everyone by understanding and fighting systems of oppression, specifically through religion? So in ICC, we read a book called Acts of Faith by Ibu Patel, and I really enjoyed this book. The rest of my ICC class, not so much. But I thought it was really interesting. The work that Patel does with interfaith movements centered around service is something that I witnessed in Guatemala. We didn't participate in any service while we were there. So unlike the study service term, which part of that is doing service in the country where you're located, our service took place when we got back home. Spanish was not a requirement for going on this trip. So for us to be involved in service while we were there, we would have been in the way more than we actually would have been helping. Because of the fact that we didn't try to impose ourselves on the society, or to save people that we interacted with, the trip took on a completely different tone. It was about forming relationships and focusing on communities and communication. By comparison, when in a place where communication isn't stifled by language barriers, for example, when we came back home, our actions speak volumes about faith that a sermon could never convey. So this content about religious vocation and calling was then amplified by this context that we were in. The people that I saw and interacted with were often much poorer than I am, putting into perspective the impact that I have on their country by what I choose to buy. Our group was treated better than any of the other people we passed on the street. One time I held the door open for someone and they were surprised because this color of their skin wasn't a pale white making it painfully clear how different our lives were. These things slowly added up, but I didn't realize how much change was happening until I got home. After the trip, I spent a week at church convention and then a week volunteering at Friedenswald summer camp. And then I started getting ready for my senior year. Those other two weeks I spent in an irregular setting meant that none of the changes hit me until I began my routine again. As the school year approached, I felt like I was moving away from familiarity. Suddenly, I was living someone else's life. I didn't want to go to school because it was a waste of time when there are people who needed help. 
I didn't want to hang out with the people that were my friends because they didn't share what I had witnessed. Worst of all, I stopped communicating and connecting with the people around me, hurting them in the process as well. So I tried to get out of my funk. I joined tennis and jazz band, adding those two activities onto my already busy schedule of orchestra, choir, show choir, swimming, uh, National Honor Society, and student council. <laughs> Thinking that adding two more activities surely will help me figure out my life. But I still didn't really want to. How could I sit and do nothing for the people that I had just met? Isn't following Jesus all about getting our hands dirty and working from the fringes of society to upset the system? I wanted to be doing something concrete, something that I could step away from and say, yes, this is having a positive impact on someone's life. But being involved with new groups of people reminded me that I can't affect change without first building relationships and engaging in a community. It's through the community that this change will happen. It felt like we saw this work everywhere when we were in Guatemala because we visited examples of different communities that were focused on relationship and support networks. Finding my new community became my focus and I found it in Goshen College. I applied to Goshen College because I knew that this was the next step for me to take after this experience. But it wasn't until about mid-October of my senior year that I finally felt like this makes sense again. This is where I'm supposed to be, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I wasn't accepting that I can't help people that I saw in Guatemala, but I recognized that God has a plan for my life, and I have to trust that plan. I can't force change to happen, and when it does, I have to be flexible and trusting that I will regain my footing with God's help. Transitioning to Goshen College was not as challenging as coming back home from Guatemala. While I'm in a different stage of life now, returning from Guatemala put me back in high school again. This dramatic shift to college life is what I was searching for when I returned home that summer. I felt the need to be doing something new, and I was going back to the routine that I had left. I had changed, but everything around me was exactly the same, and I didn't fit in anymore. Coming to Goshen College, lots of things around me were the same, but a lot of things have changed as well. And this allowed me to rediscover some of the things that I learned two years ago on that trip. Being at Goshen College means that I can wrap up that part of my life and hold that experience to continue learning from for the rest of my life. Thank you. My family is one of the most important things in my life. I love our relationships, trust, and honesty between us all. I have a pretty big family. I have four brothers and two sisters. My story is about how my family's bond came to be. This event that made us what we are happened in 2010, 
when we decided to embark on a year-long road trip. Now, this wasn't some ordinary road trip. No, this trip took months of preparation. My parents sold our family business, shut down our house, and bought a bus in which we would all end up calling home for the next year. We drove around the United States homeschooling, visiting national parks, checking out different museums, and of course, stopping at some of the weirdest roadside attractions. But the beginning of this adventure did not begin when we pulled out of our driveway. The start of the fun was in fact finding our bus and together converting it into our home. Our search for this perfect bus took months because believe it or not, most buses aren't typically made to fit nine people. We spent our, week we spent our weekends going to RV festivals and checking out the fanciest trailers and the newest RVs. But still, the problem was somehow finding a bus that could fit all nine of us. Finally, in Nashville, Tennessee, we found our bus. It was 13 and a half feet tall, eight feet wide, and 45 feet long. Compared to a normal school bus, this bus was definitely longer, taller, and wider. In addition, we also pulled our 12-passenger van behind it, making it an insane 67 feet long. I'd like to please take a moment and give some much-deserved credit to my amazing dad for driving this beast of a vehicle. Now that our bus was safely parked in our driveway, we could all focus on what really mattered. My dad got right to work on the maintenance, plumbing, and mechanical aspects of the bus. My mom immediately started redoing the carpets, um, redoing the seat cushions, and bringing in a home feeling. My little sister and I began scoping out the best bunk beds, my little brothers debated on how many toys they could bring. My older, older siblings said goodbye to their friends and began mentally preparing for what little space and privacy they would soon have. There was so much happening and it all seemed very exciting to me. And then here's a before and after picture of the inside of the bus. Um, my excitement continued to build as we added the finishing touches. I soon began decorating my bunk, moving in my stuffed animals, and finding my name printed on each of my drawers. The time quickly came that we could lock up our house and officially move into the bus and really start this new adventure. As we pulled out of the driveway and began the trip out of town and down the mountains, we celebrated. My dad focused on driving this 45,000 pound bus as my siblings and I ran up and down the small hallway. We were finally on the road. We drove from Washington to California, over to Florida, up to New York, and then almost everything in between. We spent the night in RV parks, public parks, Walmart parking lots, and truck stops. For that year, I was living every kid's dream. I was basically on a year-long field trip. I wasn't sitting inside a classroom every day or doing homework over the weekends. I barely remember doing any schoolwork at all that year. Plus, the times we did do schoolwork, it was refreshing. It gave us all a rare hour of peaceful silence throughout the bus. But most of our learning was through real life experiences. From being on the road, meeting different people, seeing the states, visiting national parks, and going to hundreds of museums. I'm proud to say that today I stand here, a junior ranger in over 30 different national parks. Although, although our daily lives became very exciting, our holidays were extra special. For Thanksgiving, we ate in an RV park, and we made a full Thanksgiving feast inside the bus. 
Still, I'm not quite sure how we pulled that off. For Easter, we attempted to boil eggs in an electric skillet, then dyed them outside in a Home Depot parking lot. For Christmas, we opened our presents in the sun and then spent the entire day on the beach. Life on the bus was really fun. Well, most of the time. Remember, there were nine people in that bus. Nine people sharing one bathroom, one shower, one couch, and living in one hallway. Multiple mornings began with me jumping out of, butt, jumping out of my bunk and landing on a pile of my brother's Legos. There were days that my teenage sister was extra emotional and the days that my older brothers were especially loud and smelly. But that year on the bus was one of the most inspiring and honest experiences I have ever had. As I look back at all of these memories, I smile. I was privileged with this great opportunity to see this beautiful country we live in. This adventure really brought my family together. It made us a family that is always there for each other, that values each other's company, and it gave us all a passion for adventure. Thank you. Keep moving forward. That's what my family told me every time that they thought that I was stopping. Keep moving forward. If you quit, you will never reach any of your goals. But if you keep going, you fight for whatever you want, you will, rest, you will reach the vast majority of them. That's what they say. That was the best advice that they could ever give me. It was January 2017 that my parents told me that, I was coming, that we were coming to the United States. The plan was just to come and I spend the summer here with my family and then go back to Venezuela. But as you can see, I'm still here, so yeah, things went wrong. It wasn't in January because I can say that January was one of the best months in my life. I met this girl, I fell in love, and we started dating. Plus, I wanted to see Mickey. <laughs> it was February and everything was all right. March came, April came, everything was amazing. I was enjoying the most out of my senior year. I was enjoying the most out of my friends. I was enjoying out of the most out of my family and I was enjoying the most out of the love. Then, May came. I can say that even though May is the month of my birthday, it was a very, very bad month. It was in May that the cell phone call came. It was a cell phone call that being honest, I wasn't expecting. And being more honest, I was afraid of receiving. It was a cell phone call that I didn't receive, but my dad did. So this guy on the phone just called my dad and told him, hey, I know who you are, but it doesn't matter that much. I know who your son is talking about me. And here's the thing. I know where he goes to school at. I know what time he gets into class. I know what time he gets out for lunch. I know what time he gets into class again. I know what time he gets out of class. I know, what time, I know where he goes to spend the afternoons. I know where, who he hangs out with. So yeah, I know everything about that kid. He knew more about me than myself. My dad, of course, got scared, and he asked, what do you mean, what do you want? The guy on the phone just told my dad, well, now that you're asking, I need $50,000 in cash in this place for tomorrow. If you don't want your kid to be kidnapped or to be killed or something worse, 
I never know, I never figured out what he meant by something worse, but I know he had something on his mind. It was the day that my family decided that the vacations out of the country to the United States had to be permanent. Of course, I wasn't happy with that. It was July, 14th of July, 2017, that I had to leave everything behind. I have to leave my family, I have to leave my friends, I have to leave my girlfriend, I have to leave almost everything. It was the day that I left Venezuela. It was also 14th of July, 2017, my graduation ceremony. Like I say, it was my senior year, so that day while I was at the airport waiting for an airplane that I did not want to board. Most of my friends were in the high school, a place that I never wanted to be, but that day I wanted to. It was a rough moment, but that day I had two options. I could just cry because I wanted to be there with them, or I could just keep moving forward. That day I remember what my parents told me, keep going, don't stop. So I just cleaned the tears out of my cheeks, tie my pants off, and get into that airplane. I didn't know what was waiting for me in the United States, but I just did it, just let's do it. So I came here and I went into this school and they say, hey, can I study here? And I started to knock in doors. And they say, yeah, why not? I got enrolled in the school, but a week before, they called me, hey, can you come to the office? And they started talking to me, explaining that because I already had the finished school in Venezuela, I wasn't able to, stu to study here. So yeah, they closed that door in front of me. I had two options again that day. I could just cry because I wanted to be in that school, or I could just keep going forward. And I remember what my parents told me, always keep going, don't stop. So again, I say, yeah, well, thank you for your time, but I'll see what I can do now. So I found a job, so I start working. My dad, that day, he went back to Venezuela to say goodbye to my grandma, because you know we were coming here, we didn't know when we could see her again. So he went back there. I started to work, and it was in November that I started to go. To, I knock in another door, and I, I went to another school, and I say, "Hey, can I study here?" They say, "Yeah, why not?" So I started to study. I was working, I studied. My dad was in Venezuela. I was here with my mom and my little brother. After that, it was November 2017 that my dad was supposed to come back to the United States. But as you can already see, none of my plans is I came to the United States have half gone the way I wanted to. So we went to pick him up at the airport. We were there, it was an hour. Hey mom, where is that? It's not coming. Two hours, hey mom, where is that? Five hours, hey mom, where is he at? It's not here yet. After 10 hours, somebody from immigration just called my mom and told her, uh, your husband can't come into the country right now. He will call you in a few days. Days later, we figured out that my dad was detained at Chicago airport, and they offered him a political asylum, but he had to be detained during that process. We thought, okay, we'll be a few weeks. We can handle that. Five months. It took five months. It was a rough moment for me, for my mom, for my family in Venezuela, for my dad. We felt like if our hands were tied up, making it impossible to move. But you know what? Even though it was hard, you always have to keep going, keep moving. So we start moving slowly, but doing it. It was June 2018 that my dad was set free. He was able to be at my birthday. 
it was able, I was able to not just graduate from high school here, but also get perfect grades. It was hard work. It was very hard work. But keep going. And I didn't stop there. After that, I was able to be part of this family. And I, know, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I know I won't stop here. Because that's what my family showed me. Always keep going. So today I want to thank you all of you for listening to me. And the best advice I could give to all of you is, I know classes will get hard. Probably chemistry will get hard. Or math will get hard. English will get hard. But always keep moving forward. Thank you. and you're dismissed.